0: Okay, all right. We will start the meeting right now in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God. Amen. Okay, so Peter asked me uh, to give the adult talk today about my trip uh, to Jerusalem. I recently just went to Jerusalem um, on a study abroad with uh, Acts. It's the theological school. So. I I will talk a little bit about the trip and what we did, but I also wanted to touch a little bit about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and in our lives because um, that's kind of what we're going through right now in the church, so I wanted to talk about that. Okay, so Holy Fire Jerusalem. Um, why is Jerusalem so important? I think it 's really important for us to know a little bit about Jerusalem and understand the like biblical history of Jerusalem um, but it 's very clear that God chose Israel and Jerusalem to be his people ever since the Old Testament, prophets from the beginning of time it 's always been israel and god 's chosen people is Jerusalem, and the holy place is Jerusalem and so that 's his place he always um, he 's chosen it from the from the beginning and he always calls Jerusalem his people. So <clears throat> even we always hear that um, salvation is of the Jews. Like even when he met the Samaritan woman and he told her salvation is of the Jews. So because we know that Christ himself is, is Jewish. His lineage is Jewish. He came from the Jewish heritage. So the Jews are special. They're God's chosen people. And Jerusalem is kind of like the Mecca, the, the center of the world according to Christ and God. So Jerusalem is very special. <clears throat> Okay, I'm going to quickly go through um, some of the places we visited in Jerusalem that um, the Holy Spirit actually was present. And so the first one is the Church of the Annunciation. This is where uh, the angel Gabriel announced to St. Mary that she will have a baby. And so um, this is this was really cool to go there. Uh, the angel, angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power... Um, of the one born will be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit ascended during the time of Christ's uh, the Annunciation. This also was when uh, St. Mary visited St. Elizabeth, and this is called the Church of the Visitation. So again, when she greeted Elizabeth, she said, the baby leaped in my womb, and she was instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So same thing, the Holy Spirit was present in this, uh, this location we went to, so that was really nice. Of course, the Jordan River, we all know what happened here. We know that Christ was baptized here by St. John the Baptist. Um, So it was really nice to be able to put our feet in the water and to think about uh, the, the, the holiness of this area. Even though the water is a little murky, I don't know why, but I don't think in Christ's time it was this dirty. I'm sure it was clean. And we know what happened in the baptism. We know it's like the epiphany of the, of the Trinity when the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all revealed at the same time. Uh, this is the Mount of Temptation. I... It's interesting, because right after Christ was baptized, it says instantly he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. So, like, his ministry starts with the temptation, right? And so this is a good reflection and a meditation for us to remember and think about, that once we receive the Holy Spirit, it's not like our lives will be easy and everything will be good and like, oh, all my problems are going to go away. No, you receive the Holy Spirit and you are going to go into the fire of temptation. So this is normal. Christ did it himself. This will be our path as well. We will receive the Holy Spirit, and we will struggle, and we will fight um, until the end. So he gave us the example of this, and um, it was really cool to go to the Mount of Temptation and see where Christ was tempted by Satan. Oh, this is not really the Holy Spirit. (laughs) This is the tomb of Lazarus. I just like this. Um, This is the house of Bethany, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus, This is the tomb where Christ raised uh, Lazarus from the dead. <clears throat> this is really cool. This is the Church of the Ascension, which we just celebrated here. Um, this area that I'm touching and the area in between Emba, Bernaba, and Abuna is um, the last piece of land that Christ actually touched before he ascended into heaven. So that's, um, they built a church there, it's in the Mount of Olives. And um, the Mount of Olives is in the Book of Acts we read about. That's where they were gathered before, um, when, when Christ ascended. So the upper room is right there in the Mount of Olives. So this is the Church of the Ascension. Yes? It no, it's kind of like a, f- a flat, st- it's not really a flat stone. It's kind of got like natural curves in it and like, mm, but it's not indented. No. <clears throat> This actually, this probably was the most moving sight for me. This was um, the church, they call it the Church of Agony. Or this is the Garden of Gethsemane when Christ was weeping the night before his crucifixion. They built a church there. And so this rock is where he was um, crying. And so they built a church there. And notice the lamb, you can see the sacrificial lamb, like he will be the sacrifice. And I don't know, when I walked into this place, I just, I lost it. I don't know why. I think it was because, like, to feel that he suffered. We think of Christ so glorified all the time and so, you know, resurrected in his glory. But to think that he was alone here and he was, like, asking his disciples to stay awake and they wouldn't and they slept. And he's like, guys, like, stay up with me. And they just, like, it just reminds me of the lonely, dark times in our lives, you know, where we're sad and, like, Christ felt that same you know, sadness. And he knew what was happening to him. He inevitably knew that he would be crucified the next day um, and betrayed by one of his disciples. You know, like that's not a good feeling. Um, so, this church that really, really, really moved me. This was amazing. This is the upper room, this is where the disciples gathered for their last supper and where they this is the first church the first church we call it saint mark's house because this is the church this is where the first communion happened this is the upper room where christ came into the apostles and the disciples after he ascended and he visited them multiple times here when he came to thomas and showed him his hand and his side so um it was really nice to gather in this upper room we did a lot of Tim Gees and, and and praises here um in this room <clears throat> this is Via Della Rosa, which means the path of sorrows. And so basically, this is the the, the, the road that Christ took uh, with this cross to this crucifixion. So in Jerusalem, there is this like narrow path, and you can see the stations of the cross. There's 14 stations. There's a few that I put here um, for you to see. And this was really nice to be able to walk the path that Christ walked with his cross. <clears throat> this is the Church of the Resurrection. Uh, also known as the Holy Sepulchre or the Holy Gnosticists. So it's really cool because I was like, wait, where's Golgotha? They're like, here. I'm like, okay. So Christ was crucified here. He was buried here, and he was resurrected here, all in this one area, um, the Church of the Gnosticists. And so this is like the Mecca of uh, Jerusalem. Everyone comes here. This is where the holy fire happens on Easter, where you see everybody go in and the fire happens and the priest goes inside and and lights the fire. So this is the tomb of Christ is here. Um, The cross is here and he was resurrected here. This was amazing. And it happened to fall on my birthday. So we got to pray liturgy there, which was so special. I don't know how God arranged that. Yeah, And so, oh, my son Isaac came with me on this trip. It was really nice, too. We had a special, special bonding time. Um, so that's the little fire, and that's the altar where the tomb is. Mm-hmm. This uh, picture on the left is the tomb of Christ. So you stand in this long line, and you circle in to go in there and get the blessings. Um, they said no pictures, but Isaac took this one. <laughs> it <was> really good. <laughs> he did a good job. Yeah. Um, This is the Church of St. Peter in the Sea of Galilee. So after we did, like, we went to Bethlehem, and I I left some of those pictures out. There's so many things that this would be like a five-hour presentation. But um, I left out some of those parts, but we did start in Bethlehem. We moved over to Jerusalem. We went to Jericho, saw the walls of Jericho, um, and then we went up to northern, northern Israel where the Sea of Galilee is and the Sea of Tiberias. And this was nice because Christ spent a lot of his time with his apostles and disciples here. A lot of miracles happened here. A lot of the teachings and parables happened off the Sea of Galilee. So this was really nice to go there. It's so pretty and so peaceful. My, Christ really liked the water. It was, um, it's, it's gorgeous. So this is the house of um, Peter. We call it the Church of St. Peter. So, when Christ, after his ascension, you know how he appeared to the disciples and they on the water and they were, cast, they were trying to fish and they couldn't get any, he told them to, to bring the fish, cast down their nets, and he did. Then he met them on the shore and they broiled fish. He said, I'm hungry, where's the food? And so they ate fish together. They ate fish and honey. And so, this rocky sea in the middle of, the, of this picture is where Christ ate fish and honey with his uh, disciples. And you can see the quote, the reference in, in the book of Luke. Uh, we took a nice little boat ride on the Sea of Tiberias in Galilee. It was so beautiful. Uh, it's it's really cool to be there and to think that Christ was here a lot with his uh, disciples. So this is where really he called the fishermen in the beginning. When he called Peter and Andrew and James and John, this is where it happened. Um, uh, they were fishermen, so they, they lived here in, in Galilee. And. Um, and in Capernaum is a town right outside of Galilee, and that's where St. Um, Matthew, the tax collector, is from Capernaum, so he was also summoned from this area. And then um, many miracles happened here. We know in the Synoptic Gospels, the, the calming of the storm was also here in the Sea of Galilee. Also, Jesus walks on water, uh, and Peter walks with him, also here on the sea. And a lot of times, we, the preaching, Christ preached off the shore. You know, he was on the boat, and he would teach the people, and they'd be on the shore. This is, again, where, where all those teachings happened. So I wanted to tie a little bit of my personal experience there in Jerusalem with the work of the Holy Spirit because this time now in the church is the Pentecost, and I won't bore you with all the details of the Pentecost. I like to do research, and I think I'm a nerd, but um, I like to understand all the different parts of Pentecost, what it means. But um, to keep it easy and short, uh, this is where the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles um, in the upper room, which you saw. So the Holy Spirit was always promised to us from the beginning. Even the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Joel, they they prophesize about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And um, these are references. Okay, wait, before I move on. Do you know where the first time in the Bible we reference the Holy Spirit? Where is the first time we hear about the Holy Spirit? Anybody know? In Genesis, did you see my slide? I thought I was gonna get you. In Genesis. In the first chapter of Genesis, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens, the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. From the beginning... The Spirit of God existed. We always think, oh, the Spirit of God came in the epiphany and baptism and, and the Holy Spirit. No, the Spirit of God has been present because it is part of the Trinity and it existed from the beginning. So the Spirit of God hovered over the cosmos of the earth and before creation. So the Spirit of God has always been there. And in the Old Testament, this, the, um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit would come specifically on individuals, right, for, for very uh, certain tasks, and the Holy Spirit would come, give them power to do what they need to do. If they need to prophesy, if they need to kill, like you know, invade a land. Moses and Joshua, the Holy Spirit had a specific task, and oftentimes it would leave them afterwards. And even even David, um, the the prophet and the king, when he had the Holy Spirit, and he had fallen into sin with um, Bath, uh, Bathsheba. He, yeah, he, he asked in his Psalms, he said, do not remove the Holy Spirit from me. He asked God not to remove the Holy Spirit from him. So the Old Testament prophets had the Holy Spirit come to them just for, uh, just for a little bit of time, not like, not like we have him now. So um, in John chapter 14 to 16, this is really nice, to meditation. If you can read these two chapters, I I recommend it, or I guess three chapters. Um, Christ really is preparing his disciples for the Holy Spirit. He talks about them. He talks about what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And he says, um, you know, I'm going to go to the Father. I'll prepare a place for you. All these promises to the the disciples before he uh, is resurrected. And one thing that I really love uh, is uh, John sixteen seven when he says, "Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you." And I really like this because it's it's Christ is telling them it's better for you that I leave and that I send you the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us think like, oh, I wish I was with Christ. Like how lucky are those disciples? How lucky are the people that got to talk to him and walk with him and live with him? And I think yes and no, because Christ was really limited. Like it was, he was still limited to the one body at the time, one form. So if you weren't with him, you weren't with him. If you physically weren't next to him, that he was gone. That's why they always were like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? They wanted him, they needed him. We have him all the time with us, you know, and so, I understand this concept. I'm like, actually, I think we're to an advantage. Like, the Holy Spirit's with us always now and dwelling with us. And so, that is something um, when I read this verse, I understand what Christ means. It's better for Him to have to send the Holy Spirit because now we have a helper with us all the time. So, what is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I want to talk a little bit about this because. When you go to Jerusalem and you see what's really significant about Jerusalem is they have a temple there, right? Um, the temple is now ruined. It, it was built twice, once by King Solomon and then another by King Herod, but it had fallen and been, and been um, uh, never restored. The third temple has never been restored. The reason why this is significant is because um, the temple is a location. It's a place where God would dwell, right? And in order for, in the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle. Moses had the tabernacle and it would move around with them. Then they built, finally they built the temple. But even in the temple, there was rituals that the priests had to do in order to enter and be with God. They couldn't just be with him. And the reason why this is important is because now in the new covenant, we are referred to as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So to understand the significance of what a temple is, we have to do a little bit of studying and a little bit of understanding. Why, what is a temple? Okay, so a temple has walls, it has a foundation, it's it's a sacred place that is closed and secure, and inside of it dwells, you know, the holy of the holies, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So it's a, um, we talked about it's a place where God dwells, okay, that's the, that was the earthly temples that were destroyed. Now we have in the new covenant, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, Um, in first Corinthians, St. Paul tells us, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So, okay, well, this is pretty clear that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, yes. Okay. Before I move on to how do we keep our temple clean? Um, I do want to talk about the three parts of um of the temple. So, I actually <laughs> I actually had like another whole presentation I did, but I'm not going to share it today. I'll save it for another day. But it's good. I studied the tabernacle and I studied the temple. So, if you know the tabernacle and the temple, there's three main parts. There's the outer courts, and then you can you then you go into the holy place of the holy, and then inside the back of the holy place is the holy of holies. This is the ark of the covenant. And this is like only the priest was allowed to go like once a year, and he went for the atonement of the sins of the, of the people of Israel because nobody was worthy to go into the temple, right? It was really difficult. And the reason why it was difficult is because, you know, Adam and Eve had fallen, and originally the temple was the garden, right? And so there's a lot to study um, about the temple, what it means. So they had to create this sort of physical place to meet God, and it was not easy anymore to meet God these three parts of the of the tabernacle actually represent the three parts of us now that we are the temple of the holy spirit right so in the new covenant we do not have a physical temple anymore we are the temple the three parts are our body our our soul and our spirit so the body is the outer courts okay this is our physical body um and here we can offer sacrifices in our body and our worship so as we fast as we stand up in prayer as we move, this is our physical body. This is the first part of the temple. The second part is the soul. And the soul is really the mind. When you study what the soul is, the soul is the mind. So having our mind as part of this Holy Spirit dwelling in our mind. What does that mean? Offering pray- prayers, offering up of incense. There's a whole meditation and, and um, understanding of offering incense is, is part of the mind. Our prayers. And then the deepest part, the Holy of Holies, is where we meet God. This is our spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit where God dwells. So that's the holiest of holy. And that's what we have here in our temple. And so if you read about Christ, when he first started his ministry, the, one of the first things he did was to clean the temple. He went in and he, he went to his, the temple and he like pushed the, the rob, yeah, turned over the tables and he said, what is this? You are making my father's house like a, a, a den of thieves. And he cleaned, he told them to leave. Leave all this, take it out. The temple has to be clean and pure in order for God to dwell there. So it was so important. And in the Old Testament, that's what they had to do. The priests had to clean the temple. They, he cleaned the temple by offering, um, they'd go in there and they'd remove things, and they'd also offer blood, sacrifices, right? So this is three things for us to think about when we want to clean, cleanse our temple. So the question is, like, how do we keep our temple clean for the Holy Spirit? Now that we understand Christ dwells in us, how do we keep our temple clean? ready and, and uh, in good condition for, for him to be dwelling in us. Clear out the junk, apply the blood, and keep scrubbing. Like I said, Christ took out the rubbish and the junk from his temple. We need to do the same. We need to get rid of the junk. Whatever is occupying space that doesn't belong there, he won't be there if, that, if the junk is there. So we've got to get rid of it. Um, cleaning the blood, applying the blood. They would have to sacrifice the lambs and they would take the blood and that would be part of the sanctifying of the altar and sanctifying of the um, temple. Now we have the blood of Christ. It says the blood of Christ covers us, right? We just took communion, so we, now we have the blood. We are pl- applying the blood of Christ. And the, the third is the keep scrubbing. <laughs> keep sc- scrubbing is keeping our souls and spirits clean. And that is through the sacrament of repentance and confession. So uh, not just when we meet Abuna and we have the true sacrament of confession, but it's a daily scrubbing. We have to keep keep, keeping our temple clean. So it's just being aware of our sins and being aware of where we fall and just continually asking God for that forgiveness and that continual cleansing. Um, And that's what's going to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and not just dwell but to grow because ultimately that's what we as believers we want the holy spirit in us to be strong to be flames like Archie said last week he said if you're a strong flame you're able to give your flame to others and that's how the holy spirit grows and nothing will happen to your flame so same with this um in ephesians and corinthians we learn a little bit more about how to keep the temple clean um, what one of them is Obviously, like protecting our eyes, what we see, what we hear, what we listen to, what we, what we say, all these things are part of our temple. And so when those are defiled and we fall into sin, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So all, we have to be very careful. Even our bodies, like what do we allow on our bodies? What do we allow to touch? What do we allow, what are we wearing? Um, where do we put our bodies? Are we in areas of sin or are we in the house of God? Where am I allowing my body to be occupied? All this is important because, again, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just like if you were going to have somebody really, really important come to your house, an ambassador or the president or the pope, you wouldn't leave your house in shambles. It wouldn't be dirty. You would be cleaning for weeks. You'd be getting ready. You'd be making sure there's no dust on the ground. Everything's in mint condition. You'd have the best meal. You would have the house in pristine order for this ambassador, for this very important person that's coming over. Same thing. We have the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings dwelling in us. How could he be in a place that's corrupted or that's dirty? It has to be in proper form and condition, worthy of him. And so that's something we we should reflect on always. How do I make not just my heart, but my whole body a temple that he can dwell in? Everything affects us. We don't realize it, but just the music we listen to or the things we allow to, to watch Or the things we meditate on and think about, you know, even social media. We have to be so careful because the the temple is so sacred. And the more we are protective of the temple, you'll feel the difference in our lives. We see the Holy Spirit is more active and um, able to, to help us more. Three things we should not do to the Holy Spirit we should not grieve the Holy Spirit, we should not quench the Holy Spirit, and we should not resist the Holy Spirit. Sorry. I don't have a prompt for a code. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Let me take it off and put it back on. Hmm. Okay. That is my background. That's fine. Uh, So, yeah, we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We do not quench the Holy Spirit or resist the Holy Spirit. Those are the references for this. But I want to talk a little bit about grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, Because in Ephesians, it talks about what that means to grieve the Holy Spirit. And as much as it is important for us to build the Holy Spirit, we want to make sure we're not doing things to hurt the Holy Spirit. So these are things that help us. Put away lying. Speak truth to our neighbor. Be angry and do not sin. This is hard, but it's true. Um, do not let your anger how do I do that? Okay. okay. Um, so yes speak truth to your neighbor uh, do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil do not steal um, no corrupt word out of our mouth do what is good and necessary for edification and part grace to our hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit, which you are sealed. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath and clamor be put away. And lastly, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. So this is really good to have, I think also this during Pentecost to meditate on these to remind us how never to grieve the Holy Spirit, but actually to allow the Holy Spirit to, to grow in our lives. Um. Don't forget the work of the Holy Spirit is very powerful. So in him we live and we move and we have our being. This, the Holy Spirit now is with us always. There's a whole, you know, we can talk so much about what the Holy Spirit does and how he's our helper, but um, I'll leave that for another time. And not and just to remember to fan the flame which God gave us, which is the Spirit of God. So each of us have this flame, this Holy Spirit that's like a fire inside of us. We can make this fire grow or we can make this fire um, out. And so it's up to us how much we want this fire to grow. We each have our responsibility. The church is a temple too, by the way. It's, we are all individual temples, but collectively we're also a temple of God. And so when all of us are doing our part, the temple is strong. The walls are strong. They won't fall. But if we are weak in our walk with God... And we're not doing our part, the entire temple suffers and the whole body of God suffers. So it's so important, too, that we each do our part as, as a, the temple and the church of God. Um, and that's all for today. So thank you. Glory to God. Yeah. Um,
1: can, do you mind going back to slide 24? Okay. I wanted to add something. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I saw it once. It um, it's, I like how you mentioned this part because it reminds me so much of St. Mary. When she was a young child, they offered her to the uh, temple Mm -hmm. and she cleaned the temple, preparing her for what was going to happen to her son. And so when she was scrubbing, she actually had to clean the blood of the lamb or the the sacrifices like she did for her own son. Mm -hmm. So it's a reminder to us what Mary, what St. Mary was doing at such a young child is what we constantly have to do within our own lives to clean the temple, clean Mm -hmm. within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And she was doing it for so young to prepare her Mm -hmm. for the savior to come Mm -hmm. into the world. So I love that that part that
0: you brought up. That's really nice. I didn't think about that meditation of St. Mary, but it's really good. uh, Any
1: any questions? Thank
0: you you. I don't know. Does anyone have questions? Any questions? Same. I just have a, a, a quick question on the places that you visited. Mm-hmm. How did they um, understand that these are the actual places and uh, and say and consecrate them as okay? This is Golgotha. This is uh, the the this is Saint Mark's house. Uh, this is the upper room. Things like that yeah so I think a lot of it is like I think historically in tr- tradition just passed down you know and so from the beginning after the apostles and uh, the early church was established and built there um, I think that there there are there is evidence that like you know that this is the area like maybe the accuracy is not a hundred percent because I remember asking like the bishops and the priests that, that were with us like how do they know for sure? And they said, "Well, they're pretty sure that it's in this vicinity or within this location." Some things were definitely sure. There was evidence of the tomb. There was evidence of the cross when Saint Helen found the cross. Those were were true. So, but some of the other places, it's it's a mixture of tradition and um, and also biblical history. Yeah. Anything else? Okay. Thank you. I can pray.
1: Thank you, Kathy. You're welcome. Through the inner senses of Ever Virgin Theotokos, Mother of God, Saint Mary, Archangel Michael, Saint John the Baptist, Saint John the Beloved, Saint Peter, Saint Paul.